Well, g'day everybody and welcome back to The Extras. My name is Sam. And I'm Raj, everyone. Um, Jack's not here today, Sam. No, Jack, no. Uh, even though he served us well on, on Sunday, uh, preaching and teaching alongside yourself. But uh, he's, he's taking a well-deserved break at the moment. He's taking a break. So, good uh, on him. I hope he, he has a good time. He's worked hard, as have you, by the way. And you've been sick, Sam. So I have been, yeah. I, 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 you might hear I'm a little bit... Uh, a little bit sound a little bit sort of fluey. I have been tested. I'm negative and uh, all is well, but yeah, just recovering from a bit of a bit of a flu over the weekend. So, but good to be here. It's good to be here. Now, um, you guys were teaching Ephesians 4, the, the second half on, on Sunday. Um, just paint us a bit of a quick picture, Raj, in terms of what that part of the Bible's all about and sort of where, uh, yeah, where our conversation's going to be going today. Yeah, so I really think verse 17 captures so much, chapter four, Ephesians 4, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord um, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. He's talking to people who have been saved by Jesus and he's saying, because you have been saved by Jesus, now life must be different. Yeah, yep. not just intend to make it different; it actually should be different. It must be different. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, that's really helpful, and uh, it really is a, a part of a piece that we sort of started the week before, and we've got more to do on it this coming Sunday, don't yeah, we? Yeah, and I think I at morning church I just said it, it really. This text talked about talks about six specific areas. It drills down from the general to the specific. Yep. Um, I talked about five on Sunday, as did Jack, and and there's another area, six area, yep. uh, which is the area of sexual immorality, yeah. which I just think is so significant for our day and age and culture yeah. and church. Yep. So there's a whole sermon coming on it this That's week. That's going to be the focus yep. this Sunday. Okay. Well, let's dive in. Uh, we've got uh, we've got twenty questions, right? So twenty questions with Raj today, and uh, we're going to see if we can knock that out in, uh, in in the next sort of twenty minutes or so. So, well, let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. <laughs> let's hit them. All right. So, uh, a couple of questions. It'd be good to have your Bible open if you if you're at home listening along or somewhere where you can see a Bible. But uh, first one comes out of verse seventeen, where Paul tells the Gentiles not to live like Gentiles. Is there any significance to that command for a Gentile not to be a Gentile? Yeah, I, I look, I could talk for a while about this, but you did say we have a number of questions today, Sam. I just think it's like it's saying to Sydney ciders in 2021, don't live as Sydney ciders. Sure. Um, that is, there is a prevailing culture around us, um, and, and we all know how, how awful that can be, which is not to say that everywhere it's like that. Yep. Um, but he's just trying to say to people who are now saved by Jesus, Gentiles who are saved by Jesus, be different. Yeah. Be different to the people around you. Yeah. So you might still live in Sydney, but don't be like a Sydney side. Yeah. Yep. Great. All right. Uh, so following on verse 19, one of the descriptions of the Gentile lifestyle is that the Gentiles have given themselves over to sensuality. Someone's texted in just asking, can you define what that means to, to give yourself over to sensuality? Um, I, it's an excellent question. So verse 19, and I think, well, it, it goes on, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. So as you read the text, it then fills out what, what, what's behind that. Yeah. So sensuality certainly includes the sexual immorality we're going to come to in chapter 5. Yep. But also the other areas that we've been talking about yep. um, are all included yeah. you know, in, in, in that set of issues that it has in mind. Okay. Speech comes up not once but twice. Yeah. And yep. really interesting, in our, in our culture, I think we, we don't think of the speech yeah. category in that category of sensuality. Interesting. Yep. But, but here... Yep. It talks about it and then goes on. First thing it talks about is speech. Yeah, fascinating. Yep. To give yourself over? What? Oh, sorry, thank you. Yes. So to give yourself over, I think 
I, I'm, I grieve as I talk about this, actually, Sam, because I think back over my life and I see people who um, have started off dabbling in certain things. Yeah. But then I look back and I see often the progression of those things yeah. and they get to a point where they have given themselves over to those things. Interesting. They're no longer just dabbling. Now it's about their purpose. This now it's their am, core yeah. being. It's who they are. Yeah. It's who they identify with. It's um, Their life is just so intertwined with whatever it might be. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. I think that, that's what it's getting at. That's helpful. Thanks for defining that for us. Um, okay, and last sort of definition style question. Down to verse 30, um, Paul speaks about grieving the Holy Spirit. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What is that little phrase, grieve the Spirit of God? Yeah, I, I think that phrase in verse 30 is different to sinning against the Holy Spirit, where we've seen other okay. parts of the Bible. Yep. And and really, verse 30 follows verse 29. And verse 29 is about unwholesome talk. And, and it connects with that, not grieving the Holy Spirit of God, with whom we're sealed for the day of redemption. Yeah. Um, get rid of all um, bitterness, rage, anger, and so on. So I actually think this is this is really quite profound in helping us, well, putting the category of unwholesome talk yes. um, as one of the impacts of that being to grieve the Holy Spirit. That is to turn our back on the work of the Spirit in our lives. Yeah, right. That Ephesians has talked about. Yep. The deposit that guarantees our inheritance. Yeah. So the Spirit should be working in us and yep. transforming us yep. in this, um, putting off the old self and putting on the new self. Yep. Um, and and not to do that in these areas is it's it's quite strong. So so to grieve him is that picking up on his his personhood and that we we've sort of upset him, or is it more we've we've not done what his work would have done in us? Like just just get, I guess around the grieve word there. Yeah, I I don't have in my head what the word behind that, but I think I would go with the latter of what you've said. Okay, that is not not recognizing his work yeah okay and not allowing you know the work of a spirit to yep. take full fruit yeah yep. um, galatians 5 comes to mind about you know the fruit of a spirit yeah yep. um, um and there's a whole list of wonderful ad- attributes there mm. um and so here not to be putting on the new self yes and in particular in areas of speech yes it, there's a that's equated with that yes. quite different to our world but yes talks about white lies as being okay sure yeah yeah yep yeah Okay. Uh, there's a few um, sort of questions now that are kind of getting us to think and trying to reconcile different ideas. So we'll, we'll push into them. So uh, the first one is number four, Raj. How, how do we know if our minds are truly transformed if we keep on falling back into the same sins? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and it's a struggle, I think, an understandable struggle but also a struggle that that can be... The, the danger in the struggle is it pushes us to salvation by works. Yeah. And and if we, we must avoid the temptation to think we're saved by what we do, um, which is not where this question is coming from, but where, this, where it can end up. Okay. Um, if we're looking for things at that level. So... Um, I think the Christian life in this world, it, it, it can be two steps forward, one step back. It can be one step forward, two steps back. Yep. And and it's a continual journey over a period of time. Um, and so I mentioned Galatians 5. And so looking for um, the, 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 the fruit of a spirit happening in our lives in, in um, 
2 Timothy, it talks about let your progress, or maybe it's 1 Timothy, it talks about let your progress be evident to all, talking to Timothy. Yep, yep. Um, and so I just think we need to look at the long-term trajectory yeah, more yeah. than the short-term, yep. I've fallen today. Yes. Or yep. whatever it might be. Yep. Um, so I, I just think the question comes from a great place because it shows someone is taking the transformation part seriously. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I'd, I'd add to that just briefly. Um one of the, the dangers in this is, is if, if you're always internalizing it and just thinking about it on your own. Because one of yes. the things that the devil loves to do is, is he's the great accuser who loves to remind you of all your sin and uh, tell you that you, you, you're not good enough and you're, uh, you're failing all the time. Sometimes it's helpful to sort of break that circuit by, by talking with someone and say, hey, have you seen growth in my life? Often other people see us differently to how we see ourselves. Yeah. And uh, that, that can be beneficial. Um, That's a really helpful in, in point, this process, I think. Sam. I, I a number of conversations a week or two ago when we talked about serving. Yeah. And I, I walked into a few conversations of and we, which went like someone saying, you know, I don't have any gifts, I can't serve. Someone else who knows them well yeah, saying, yeah. "What are you talking You've about? You've got all these gifts." Yeah. Um, and so having that external, yeah, you know, um, um, evaluation. That's right. Can just be written. so. Thank you for adding yeah. to that. Uh, all right, let's keep pushing along. Uh, there's, back to that idea of, of the Gentile lifestyle being a, a lifestyle kind of in opposition to God, a bit like the Sydney side of lifestyle. Um, someone's noted that in, in Romans 2, Paul reflects on Gentiles and says, actually, even without the law, sometimes the Gentiles do the things required by the law. So are the Gentiles really that bad? Um Oh, lots of things come to mind here. I think the point in Romans 2 is to, is to talk about the heart, yes. which is alienated from God. Yes. Romans 3 goes on and says, no one seeks God, all have turned away. Yeah. Um, and, and the whole point of those chapters in Romans is to talk about um, how inadequate it is to look at externals. Yeah. Yep. And when you look at the heart before Jesus, it falls short. Yeah. Um, so... You know, how do we reconcile this with people who don't have an accurate moral compass because they don't follow God? Um, well, this is it drives us back to the Word of God. That yep. needs to be our moral compass. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what do you want to add to that, Sam? I was going to throw that question to you. I assumed it was tied up with Jack's sermon, not mine. Yeah, sure. Um, well, look, speaking as Jack uh, here. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I guess. I don't think uh, the fact that Gentiles are opposed to God doesn't mean that everything a Gentile does is 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 always the worst they could ever be. Uh, and I always think of the illustration of, of uh, you know uh, the good pirate who who serves faithfully, works hard on his ship, uh, does all the gets up on time, works hard, and, and yet when you zoom out, you see he's working on a pirate ship. So he might be doing good stuff, but his his heart and his kind of allegiance is to to the to to the pirates rather than to kind of the nation and uh and he needs to sort of change teams uh he can then do some of those things you know you still meet non-christians who are generous and kind and friendly um but they're on the wrong team and uh and so ultimately their whole lifestyle is is heading in a in a trajectory in opposition to god yeah so that's good yeah i should have gone to you first uh, that's all good uh let, let's keep exploring that um someone's exploring this idea of change and changing from the old self to the new self and, and then us well, how does that how does that work in that not everybody is going to be saved? I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure what the question behind the question is, but, yeah. it, but it reads how how can Jesus change us from our old self to our new self when not everyone is going to be saved by Jesus? Um, like you, Sam, I'm just 
not entirely sure of the question behind the question here. But look, let me just say this whole text is premised on someone who is saved by Jesus. Yeah. And and someone who is saved by Jesus, we have forgiveness in him, where where we then have righteousness because of him. Yep. Um, and that then leads us to the imperative to, to transform the old self to the new self. Yeah. Okay. So I think you, you take salvation out of it and the whole text doesn't stand. Yep. Helpful. On that, how how come Jesus died on the cross if he knows that we are sinners like this? So I, I there's a free kick question. for you, Raj. I love this question. Here you go. It's a free kick. You're 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 a footy person. <laughs> See, for me, it's a full toss outside leg stump. Okay, yeah, well, because, hit, it, hit um, it over the boundary because I, I I have a son who's a leg spinner. Yes, I? yes. Anyway, but look, it takes me back to Romans, uh, chapter five, and. Here it is, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. And, and here's the key verse. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. So how come Jesus died on the cross if he knows that we are sinners? Because of his extraordinary love for us. Yeah. What a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and he loves us. That's why, that's why it's he It's overwhelming. Died. Yeah. Wonderful. That's the whole foundation of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both my both my hands are up, Raj. It's a six. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, number eight. Um, one of you used the line, no transformation without information. Uh how does that play out for people who are illiterate or, or not academic? Um, it seems like it's a lot harder for them to access if, if they need information. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, it's a fair question. And um, look, I think the point of the, the, the kind of line that Jack used, which, which I support wholeheartedly, um, it's not about, it's not trying to say we have to be academic as a foundation to be Christians. Yeah. It's trying to say that um, transformation is almost always based in, in knowing something or some element of knowledge. Yeah. Now, for some people, you see them undergo the most incredible transformations on very, very little knowledge. Yeah. In fact, sometimes I look at some people and what they've done with so, you know, such a small, relatively small amount of knowledge, yeah. it actually puts me to shame yeah. as I think about um, the time and energy and effort I've spent in God's Word over the years. Yeah. Um, and then I think about my own life and I think, well, hang on, maybe... Maybe the impact of that should be greater. Yeah. And so I just I just want to acknowledge the question. It's not about being academic. It's not about being highly literate. Yes. It's about taking whatever it is that you know about God. Yes. Um, and then allowing that to drive some kind of transformation. That's right. Um, for many of us, we have, we just, I think if you're here at St. Paul's, you probably know more things about the Bible and more of the Bible than most Christians in the world. Yeah. Um, and so I just... I just want to push into that, the responsibility on us to allow what we know to have an impact of transformation is quite significant. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, now, question nine here, Raj, um, talks about a couple of issues. I'm going to skip over the, the, the first one, um, but uh, I'm going to pick, drill into the second half of this question, which talks about being angry and not sinning and asking the question do, do we as sinners even have the right to get angry at other people's sin jesus maybe has the right to be angry because he never sinned can, can i ever 
have the right to be angry about sin in this world because I am part of the problem? Um, I know you're part of a problem, Sam, so thank you for acknowledging You've that. You've known me for 60-something <laughs> days now, and it's, it's, it's well yeah, clear. Yeah, 65. 65, and it's clear as mud that, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that I'm part of the problem. Look, this is a very thoughtful question, isn't it? And it may just be worth separating the reaction of anger from the reaction of godliness or ungodliness. And and we saw Jesus in this world and he got angry. Yeah. And it was a righteous anger. Yep. Because he had the heart of God and he looked at the world the way God looks at the world. Yeah. Um, and it is perfectly appropriate when, when I even just now answering the question, I think about some things I see happening in the world and I get angry. Yeah. That's not because I'm perfect. Yep. I'm far from perfect, as you know in sixty five days of knowing me. Yep. Yep. There's no need to say yes so quickly. Um <laughs> You don't be. You don't need to be perfect to start to have the heart of God. Yeah. And that's what this transformation process is all about. Yep. And as you are transformed, and as your heart grows, and as your character grows to be more like God, you should expect yeah. to have the kinds of reactions that we see, for example, in Jesus. Yeah. And God. Yep. That's very helpful. That's an important part of, of of hating sin and seeing its its horror in the world and hating it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now we're going to move a bit. We've probably got more questions here, Raj, that we actually have time to tackle. So uh, I'm going to sort of hit the, you know, the edit button, and we'll, we'll just see how we go. We're sorry if we if we don't get to your question. I'm trying to gather up as many of these questions. That's as, good as, because as last we can get week, to. in your absence, Candy and I went over time. So uh, well, let's keep going. Look, I'm here to provide order and structure. <laughs> and, uh, let's do it. Such yep. a servant, Sam. Yeah. All right. Um, now. Uh, Ephesians 4 speaks of the language of, of putting on uh, and this life that's been created uh, in God, which sounds similar to Colossians 3, which, which talks about a life that we've already put on and now is being renewed. Um, how do we sort of, both are speaking about this life to be put on. One sort of suggests that we've already put it on, another is calling us to put it on. How do we think about that? Is that just a tension with the now, not yet thing? Or is, are there different ideas? What, what's going on, Raj? It's getting at the same thing. It's just expressing it in different ways. And in the same way that different words and different illustrations work for different people today, yep. um, in what we see in Ephesians 4 and what we see in you know, Colossians 3 and other places, it's, it's doing exactly that. Yep. Um, so Ephesians 4, it's this, you know, you look back to Christ and you see the impact of Christ's death. Um, and so put off the old self. Um, be transformed, put on the new self. In Colossians three, um, it, it, um, it Colossians three wants to highlight the fact that already we're seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Yep. Already we have the new clothes, and yep. so be what you are. Yeah. Um, so they're landing on exactly the same kinds of ideas. Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. Very good. Um, uh, okay. Thank you, Raj, for serving us by preaching his word. Uh, You've been talking a lot about uh, rebels of grace, a phrase you've used a lot in the last few Sundays. Uh, would it be more helpful for us to rephrase this and see this as rebels of grace already saved and willingly being transformed day by day until Christ's return? Uh, thank you. That statement is certainly correct. Um, I've just you know, picked up on a few words as a theme of the series and I'm playing around on it with those few words. Um, and so first couple of chapters... We're rebels before God, saved by grace. We move through Ephesians and we see that we are rebels um, um, living in this world. So the kind of, you know, living as, not living as Gentiles in a Gentile society kind of idea. And so we need to be rebels in a slightly different sense. Yep. 
um, and people propelled by grace. Um, and then we're going to see, particularly in Ephesians 6, you know, we're going to see we should be rebel standing in grace. Yeah. So, you know, there's the sort of marketing aspect, if you like, to yep. try to have some words to hang yep. a series off. Yep. Um, the statement here, rebels of grace already saved and willingly being transformed day by day until Christ returns. Yes. I love it. A lot of words. Sure. I'm trying to help, work, help people with something that's memorable. Yep, there's a tension there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to jump down a few now uh, to number 17 on your list there, Raj, which is uh, sometimes we expect other people to put on the new self before they've been saved. What's something we can do to expect uh, to, to change that expectation? That's helpful, isn't it? It's a really helpful question. And, you know, I, I think on my sermons on Sunday, I talked about legalism and how legalism has crept in in the past. Um, and the corrective that, that needed to be provided for that. Um, and what Ephesians 4 does, I think, and Colossians 3 was mentioned earlier, I think it does the same thing. It just points us back to Christ. And and it points us, they both point us back, other parts of the Bible, exactly the same thing. They They just, they try to help us understand we've been rescued by Christ, and so therefore now things must be different. Um, I use the illustration of being saved, drowning, being saved, and not jumping back in the same place. Yep. Um, and so I just think the way to talk about the new self, so, so in a way that we never lose that focus, is just to keep helping people point back to Christ, which is what Ephesians 4 is doing in a few yeah. different places. Yep. So that's, that's my suggestion. Very helpful. All right, uh, down to number 19. Uh, Someone's saying, I find it hard to wrestle with the application of being like God, in inverted commas, which is what the passage sort of speaks to. It seems so unachievable. Now, I know you said we can't do it perfectly, but how do we even begin with that application? Where do you start? Yeah, this, there's, this is a beautiful question. Um, and my mind just, I don't know why, but my mind goes to Leviticus that does exactly this. You know, it, it holds up before us the holiness of God. And helps us understand that, you know, in light of the holiness of God, we just are so unclean, we're unholy, we, we can't even be in the presence of God. We see that in the Old Testament. Um, with Moses, can't even, you know, see God's face. Um, so the Bible wants us to understand the nature of our sin and how significant it is. But it then does move. It propels us toward Jesus, who's died, and risen so that we can be forgiven so even that that again is the previous question you know the, the place to begin is to look at the cross yeah and look at what jesus has done um and we can't do it on our in our own strength ephesians in a few places it talks about the, the work of a spirit yep um and the work of a spirit is primarily this work of transformation yeah helps us comes to know jesus and then this work of transformation so we're not doing it on our own where do we even start and i think you know, it just in light of that, knowing God's sovereign, praying to God for his help. Um, and then from there, I, I just think, break it down. If you try to do everything at once, you're probably not going to do much. Yep. You know, pick an area to work on. Pray with a friend. Yep. Ask someone to hold you accountable. Um, if it's pornography, for example, that, that, that might be the area. Yeah. Um, if it's an attitude. Yep. Um, I, 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 I've been quite struck and think this is helpful for many people just... On social media in the last few years, there's been a round of, you know, 40 days of thankfulness. Yep. And I just, I like that. I haven't yeah. actually done it myself. Maybe I should, but, 
but just to try to reorientate the human mind, yeah, you know, to be thankful rather than the reactions of bitterness and rage and yep. other things. Yeah. Yeah. Helpful. There's a few ideas. Okay, last one then for today. Uh, is it possible to put on all the things listed in today's passage in this world? Uh, if not, how can we kind of go forward and in the light of the fact that we fail to do these things every day? Um, well, we've been talking about that. So keep looking back to the cross and asking for forgiveness where we, where we fail. It, it takes us very much to the foot of the cross. And I just also want to encourage people not to be discouraged when we fall and to remember um, the fallen world in which we live and the fact that we don't yet have perfect human bodies, but we will. Yeah. And that's the promise of the Bible. Helpful. Yeah. Well, Raj, I think that'll do us for today. Done well. Thanks, Sam. No worries. Uh, quick, quick. I mean, you've already uh, spoken a little bit about this coming Sunday, and in fact, I'm preaching this Sunday, so I can probably you speak are, to a little bit of this. You and I are both preaching together, so you tell us, Sam, what's coming. Well, yeah, we, we, we're doing the first part of Ephesians five, uh, which which does continue this idea of, of walking, which is kind of and the way we walk, the way we live, um, walking in the light. In particular, it does touch on, as you mentioned, uh, areas to do uh, areas of our lives connected with our with our sexuality and and our uh, and particularly a, a warning a strong warning against sexual immorality and uh, so we're going to be talking about that um, but we're also going to be just I guess rejoicing at the fact that uh, that Christ is the light who has kind of called us out of the darkness and shines upon us uh, in the language of this passage and uh, there's great hope even in the midst of uh, a great struggle against sin I love it, Sam. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Could be a challenging week as well. Indeed. I, yeah. I expect it will be. So we'll see you on Sunday and uh, look forward to that. Get, get stuck into reading Ephesians 5 uh, this week. That'll be really helpful ahead of Sunday. Great. See, see you, you everyone. Have a good week. Bye-bye.